today on It's Time. You just mop it up, clean it up, ask for forgiveness, and go on. Don't keep going back. I hear the calling. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. And this morning, if you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Timothy. This is where we left off. And I think it's really important that we understand, I think, the span of time that we're in. We're, we're very much a unique generation. And here's why. Because in this past year, we all witnessed the recognition of Jerusalem, Israel being the capital by the most powerful nation on earth. And friends, that is very significant. And people might say, well, why is that? Jesus said in Luke 21 that Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Fifty years after the city of Jerusalem came completely under Jewish control. They got half the city in 1948. They got the other half the city in the Six-Day War in 1967. And the Bible tells us about this unusual thing called the Year of Jubilee. And what that is, is that after 50 years, it returns back to the original owner. Jerusalem came back into the nation of Israel's capital, and then a month and a half later, it was recognized as the capital of Israel. And again, the Bible says that Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling for the whole world. Now, the Bible explicitly says in Luke 21 that the generation that sees these things will not pass away till they're all fulfilled. That makes all of us very, very special. Because you're in a world where oftentimes people say, well, show me, the, show me God and I'll believe. Well, hey, friends, you know, just as Jesus came the first time, I got some great news. He's coming again. And he's coming again for you and for me. Now, again, the Bible says work for the night is coming when no one can work. Why is that important? Because there's opportunities that we have today that we may not have tomorrow because we may not be here. They may not be here who we're trying to communicate to, or we may not be here either via the rapture or God selecting you out to be part of our welcoming committee when we get to heaven. But regardless of what it is, we know seize the moment. That's one of the things that I would like to just encourage you in this New Year's. You know, we all make our New Year's resolutions. And I always think it's really amazing the TV commercials that are on this time of year. They got the Flab Master. 
You know, they got the flab master. You're going to get rid of all your flab and you're going to work out. And they got some guy and some girl all buffed up, you know, duking it out, you know. And, and I wrote, I want to be like that. So I'm going to get me one of those. And then, you know, four months later, you go to yard sales and they're all for sale. Why is that? Because we realize it's work. I don't want to do that. I want to eat in a stuffy, overstuffed chair, eat my Doritos and watch the game. Well, the problem is, we find a lot of times we make our New Year's resolutions, they don't last. But I think a lot of our New Year's resolutions are, are, are rooted in our flesh. But however, the Bible knows what we need. And if you don't get the spirit right, nothing else will be right. And so as we read this this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to you again. 1 Timothy chapter 3, let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we especially ask you to anoint these words, that they would come off the page, they would, they would mean something to us, they would burn into our hearts. God, that we would understand how important it is in these days that we live in to recognize the time in which we live, to be well-equipped for that good work that you've called us all to. And so now we ask, in Jesus' name, cause us to remember these things, you would equip us, and we thank you. In your precious name, Amen. Now, we look at First um, Timothy chapter 3. We left off in uh, verse 13. This is where Paul, the elder Christian, is encouraging a young pastor named Timothy. Tells him to stay at Ephesus, that he's going to use him there to encourage the saints. And so verse 14, he says, These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. Now, just in this verse alone, we find this issue. Here he says, I'm writing to you the, these things, though I hope to come to you soon. Paul didn't know that he would ever make it there. And you know, by the way, friends, death was a reality, probably much more uncertain then than it is now. And so Paul didn't know if he was going to be rearrested and executed or whatever. So he writes these things, but he was hoping to come see him. And again, always do today what you can do. You know, there's an old saying, never let it be said, I did the least that could be done. Well, we don't want to be that way. We want to be people that do more than was expected. Why? Because it represents and it reflects our God. You know, uh, every one of us, when we work, we minister under the Lord. People observe the way we work. They observe the things we do. Uh, our work attitude, you know, if we're always grumbling about the boss and always mad about everything, people go, well, that person doesn't have a lot of joy in their heart. Boy, sure can't say Happy New Year to that guy. Well, what's happy? Maybe we should say, may you have a joy and a anointed New Year. I believe that. You know, happiness always, happy, always, uh, we've talked about this many times, but when everything goes my way, I'm happy. When things don't go my way, well, I can be unhappy. But joy, Jesus said, I give unto you, not as the world gives, but as I give unto you. What is that joy? That joy means that God's got it under control, and no matter what the circumstances are, and no matter what it looks like, God says you're going to make it through. I like that. That's not positive confession, friends. That's the Word of God. The Word of God says, you are going to make it. Now, I'm writing these things. I plan on coming to you shortly, but you have a record of these. But if I'm delayed, and by the way, we don't always know what those delays are. You know, I've had people say, well, if you're a real Christian, nothing stops you from doing what you're supposed to do. Always be open for the inconveniences, the delays, the anointing, the blessings of God in the Spirit. 
You know, the Bible says a man plans his ways, but God directs his steps. Always remember that because God has a way of interrupting our schedules. I like that. Now, oftentimes we don't look at that interruption as a good thing. We look at that interruption as, well, God, you've forgotten me. Oh, God, if you love me, why did this happen? God says, I love you. That's why it did happen. Now, again, God oftentimes will teach us many things in the interruptions of life. Paul was very much aware of these interruptions when he addresses him. But if I am delayed, that means God has left me. No, it doesn't say that. It says, if I'm delayed, I write to you so you may know how to ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Now, again, you have to have a baseline of what you believe. That's why the Bible says, to, that's why Paul writes, and he says, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Why? You, I, we need a foundation. Not just the wonderful Christian songs on the radio, but we need a foundation. This is what is lacking in so many Christians' lives today. Why is that important? So when the trouble times come, you'll know, first of all, you'll recognize it, you'll know what it is, and second of all, you'll know what to do about it. Now, again, the problem today is this is why people are so moved about by every wind of doctrine, because there's no substance to their faith. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, It's emotionally based. And when the emotions go away, well, where's God? I don't know. I don't feel the buzz. Well, our Christianity isn't always a feeling. I'm not saying at times it doesn't have a feeling. Especially when you lead somebody to Christ and man, there's a smile on your, on your face that goes from ear to ear. When you lead somebody to Jesus or you share your faith and you walk away and they say, thank you, I needed that. You go, wow, God, that's cool. You used me. You, you even interrupted my day to do it. Well, yeah, thank you, God. That God does that. But here what we find is he's saying, I'm writing to you these things so you know how to conduct yourself. You know how to live. You, you know how your, what your design is, what your purpose is. I, I think this is so important. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, this is kind of unusual because this is why unsaved, unregenerated people, not born-again people, have trouble understanding God. Now, there's some really good news here in that, first of all, understanding godliness is a mystery. I don't truly understand it myself. How God can take us, cause us to be born again, put his spirit within us. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. And yet sometimes we still do what's wrong. And yet within us, there's that desire to do what God wants us to do, what is right. So we find this battle that goes on within us. This is why I believe equipping ourselves so we understand what's going on, we build up ourselves, as the Bible says in the most holy faith, keeps us from getting sideways. Now he tells us the mystery of godliness. This is what God wants. Now, do you realize the mystery of godliness is that God wants to put his godliness in us? Oh, I realize that sometimes, and I realize how far short I fall. But really the idea, and Paul says, we're not exactly sure what we're going to be, but we know when we see him, it tells us in Philippians uh, 3, 
uh, 13 and 14, we're going to be like him. I like that. In other words, God's purpose for you and me as Christians is to be more like him. That we'll have our father's eyes. You know, people say that sometimes they'll look at your kids and say, oh, well, you've got your daddy's eyes or you've got your daddy's nose. Well, hopefully nobody says that to my kids. But anyway, um, you have your father's eyes. Why? Because you're his kid. And we want to be more like Jesus. We want to have that resemblance, that transference of his righteousness in our life. And so the mystery of godliness, you know, the Bible says someday we're going to be like him. You know, when you get rid of this old mortal coil, have you ever noticed how defective this thing is? I mean, it breaks down, it, 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 it gets lusty, it lies, it cheats, it steals. I mean, that's just the way the old sin nature is. That's why Paul says, I beat the flesh to keep the old man under. Now, he wasn't talking about his dad. He was talking about himself, this old man, this old flesh. But, you know, someday the Bible says we're going to get a brand new body that is not under the curse that happened back in the garden with Adam and Eve. We're going to get a brand new body that's not subject to the desires that we have today because we'll see more clearly. We'll see the hook and the lie. We'll see the falsism that is involved in in what's going on, why sometimes we're so fooled by the lies of the world. I think all of us could put our hand up right now saying, have you ever been fooled by a lie in the world? I think we all have been fooled. Uh, The devil promises, hey, if you do this, you'll be really happy. You know, go to the party tonight. It's all right if you get smashed out of your head. And then we wake up the next morning in the hospital. Our car has been smashed, uh, wrapped around a telephone pole, and, and we have a DUI, and the devil goes, <laughs> lied to you again, stupid. You fall for it every time. That's the way the devil works. Why is that? Because we don't see the hook in the lie. But you know, when we get a brand new body, we're going to be like him. You know, people have actually asked the question on every man and answer. When I get to heaven... Well, I have a temptation to rebel against God when I'm there. No, why? First of all, you know what rebellion does. It doesn't get us anywhere. And second of all, you won't have a body that's prone to do that. So I look at this in really some pretty interesting points about godliness, this mystery of godliness. First, let's look at this. You might, by the way, you want to always remember this. This is real easy to remember. And here it is. He says here in, uh, oh, by the way, you know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, okay? Well, here's 1 Timothy 3, 16. So it's real easy to remember, and this is how I remember it. God was manifested in the flesh. Oh, Jesus Christ was manifested in the flesh. Now, who is Jesus Christ? God. That's what's so important. When we understand who God is is. He was manifested in the flesh. So that's the first thing. Because a lot of people have a real problem about understanding who God is, depending on which different group you go to. And I'm not trying to poke fun at anybody, but I, I like to let people know where certain groups are. So when you talk to somebody, you can intelligently talk to them. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus Christ is Michael the archangel. He's not God. And so in the New World Version that they have rewritten the Bible from, and and a very bad translation, 
they have obliterated anywhere where Jesus Christ is God. But when we go to the actual Old Testament, we go to the actual um, New Testament early writings, Jesus Christ is God. And, and in fact, that's when Thomas fell to his knees, put his fingers in the hold in Jesus' hand and his hand in his side and said, my Lord and my God, that's who Jesus is. So God who was manifested in the flesh, justified by the Spirit. Now, when was he justified by the Spirit? The Bible says after Jesus was baptized, he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. And what happened there? Oh, man, it was a ride like Disneyland. Whoa, it was great. No, actually, the Bible says when he was led away by the Spirit into the wilderness, Satan came and tempted him. Now, isn't that weird that sometimes God will allow us by his Holy Spirit to be brought to a place where we will stand up against the devil? I think that's important to realize. I think that happens in our own lives. Why is that? To get victory over the enemy. Now, we remember, he said, if you're really God's son. And he kept asking that. If you're really God's son. In fact, it got so bad concerning Satan and bringing these, uh, these temptations to Christ, he started quoting scripture to him. The Bible says that the cast yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple here. It says the angels will bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. You don't think the devil knows scripture, friends? He knows exactly what the Bible says. Somebody might ask the question, well, why doesn't he believe it then? Doesn't he read Revelation and know he's going to get cast in the lake of fire forever and ever? Yeah, but you know what the problem is? Pride will always blind a person to reality. And even though we can know that someday we're going to die, someday we're going to give an account of our life before God, the idea of me dying Today or tomorrow is the furthest thing from my mind. I'm going to live forever, people think. You see, the devil knows how to fool us. The devil knows how to take advantage of us. And this is the problems that we find. So he says, he was justified by the Spirit. Tempted by the devil and yet victorious. Seen by angels. Again, Jesus made manifest here on this earth that he was fully God and fully man. And we remember the angels spoke to the shepherds, as we studied a week ago, that unto you a child is born, a son is given. His name shall be called Emmanuel. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. Preached among the Gentiles. Now we studied that too. That Jesus would come for all men, not just the Jewish nation. He was for everybody. Believed on in the world and received up into glory. Now, again, this is who Jesus is. This is who God is. This is what we know. Now, by the way, again, Paul says we don't know exactly what we're going to be, but we know when we see him, we're going to be like him. Friends, I think that's really important that we realize God's got a great future for you and for me. Now, remember... When they translated the Bible, the verses and the chapters were put in by the translator so you could find your favorite verse and, by, and uh, a scripture in the Bible. But it wasn't in the original. And so if you were just to read this on like we're going to read this morning, what does he tell us? 
Now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons. As I said earlier, the reason why it's important to recognize where we are at, biblically speaking, is so you know what is affronting you, so you'll know the times in which we live. I don't think there's anything worse than being unprepared for what's ahead. I think when any of us take a trip, and if you've ever gone on vacation, you know, and if you're going to go camping, you make sure you got the flashlight and you got the tent with the holes in it. All those things, you're getting it ready to go on your camping trip. Well, we're going on a camping trip. We didn't pack anything. We just got in and drove. Well, you're going to have a very miserable, mosquito-eaten vacation if you don't have and you haven't prepared. Well, that's part of the problem. So God here is letting us know, and by the way, this is the first prophecy in the book of Timothy. Now the Spirit expressly says, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Why is this important to know? Because if really Jerusalem, Israel is God's timepiece, that we would know the time that we're living in based upon that, we're in the last time, friends. That means the affront on you and me in Christianity is going to be much more intensified. And the devil is going to get a lot trickier in the way he lies to people. Now, sometimes things are very obvious. You know, I, I, when you go, what's in your hand to a little kid? Nothing. What's in the other hand? Nothing. That's the way they think. And I think a lot of times the devil can actually fool people that way. But I think as we go into the latter days, I think he's going to get much more tricky. You know, again, to candy coat a lie to make it look like truth, but yet in it, again, there's the hook. Well, he says, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Now, there are those that are out there that say that once you're saved, you're always saved, and you're always God. Friends, I don't read that here. In fact, I looked this word up, depart from the faith. The word depart in the Greek can mean literally revolt. There are those that are going to revolt against the Lord Jesus after having known him. So I've got to be very careful in, in letting people have what I call false security. I believe a Christian is eternally saved as they want to be. But if you don't want to, if you want to go into revolt against God, you want to do your own thing. And I'm speaking this over a period of life. I don't think it's a day-to-day -day thing. When we find in Matthew chapter 24, it says, That evil servant says in his heart, My Lord delays his coming. And by the way, he's laying claim to the Lord. It says, My Lord delays his coming. He eats and drinks with the drunken, beats his fellow man, tells me he was a violent drunk. But the words in the original Greek are repetitive. This was a lifestyle, a long-term place in his life. It says, The Lord of that servant will come when he's not expecting him. Give him his portion with the hypocrites. Well, pretty important then. We don't allow ourselves to depart from the faith. How do you not depart from the faith? Well, again, going back to what we just read, recognizing we're to be more like God. If you're not, we repent and we go on. Don't cry over spilt milk. You're not going to put it back in the jug. You just mop it up, clean it up, ask for forgiveness and go on. Don't 
keep going back. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.